from the Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome everyone online. You missed some great content, let me tell you that. We're talking about the joy of the Lord is my strength, and um, Ezra's reading this, and they're weeping, they're crying, and Ezra, as he gets done reading it, he says, uh, essentially, stop crying. You don't need to weep. Instead of weeping, what if we threw a huge party, and we had amazing food, and we had great drink, and we laughed, and we celebrated each other, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, that phrase is not just something you can yell while you're weightlifting, right? What it comes from is that the, the people were reimagining who God was. Like the law of Moses to us is very archaic. It's very, it's full of like blood and burning fat. And what do you do if like this bowl gorges another bowl, right? It's kind of weird. But those um, parameters, those um, instructions were incredibly progressive to teach people how do we continue to move forward in being fully human, and how do we engage with God in a way that is actually kind and loving? And so they're reimagining what it is to connect with God. And it's out of that, instead of saying, oh, we're bad, we're horrible, we're depraved people, Ezra's reminding them, like, no, 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 when we engage with God, it leads to a party. It leads to this flourishing. It leads to this, um, to this celebration. And it's that joy, the joy of this God is what grounds us. This joy, this divine love of this Lord is what is our strength. It's what sustains us. Like, I'll take that. Like, sign me up. I want, I want that kind of joy. But, like, what is joy? Like, if that's the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, what is joy? Because joy is easily to be interpreted as happy, right? When I'm happy, there's joy. And it's easier to understand and access joy when you're happy, right? But you can't. Be happy all the time, sadly, right? Can you imagine being around a person who is just like, yeah, woo, right, like all the time? You, know, you would leave that person behind. You say, we're going to meet over here and then not show up. That's what you do, right? Because fe- uh, happiness is an emotion, right? And your body, your brain, when encounters something, releases something from your brain, it tells your body, hey, this is what's going to happen, right? This is why we get anger, Right? Anger is a way to protect us if we're feeling a little too vulnerable or we see some sort of injustice. It's why we get sad. It's why we need to grieve. It's why we can be bored. Right? Like, that, those are all healthy things. And what joy does, joy like, transcends all those feelings. Right? It floats higher. It can actually ebb and flow and evolve with those feelings. It's something that is... Um, that, that's higher than just our human experience and can handle all those things. So joy is not robbed when I'm sad. Joy is not threatened by my uncertainty. Joy is not distant when I feel um, overwhelmed or underwhelmed, right? Joy is always present. It is always there. It's always within. And our job, what we get to do, is learn, well, how do we re-engage with that? How do we awaken to that joy? Because think about the last time that you've experienced joy. Like if you had to write down, like, I feel joy when, 
it might be like very, very different. It might be out of sadness. It might be out of maybe, maybe happiness for me too that I thought of um, is when I go to therapy um, to meet with um, Mr. Herbert, um, it's not fun. <laughs> right? I don't go to therapy to like have fun. I, it's an hour-long session, and um, uh, what, do we, what do you call th- therapy for mental health, right? Like I go to my therapist, not physical therapy. That's not fun either. Um, but I go for an hour-long session, and no lie, I cry for about 20 of those 60 minutes. I cry a lot. And so when I'm walking into his office, I'm like, hey, man, crying in front of this person I don't know that well and saying all these things I haven't told anyone, wow, sign me up, right? It's not the idea of, doesn't always, I don't feel the joy in that moment. But when I get done, because I'm a verbal processor, um, uh, <laughs> like, uh, there's things I can't process with my friends. Or I shouldn't say that. There's times where the things feel threatening to process with my friends. It doesn't always feel safe to talk about it with, with my partner. So there's a place where a guy who doesn't really, well, knows me, but we're not like best friends, right? And I can say all those things, I get it out, and then he'll say, Hey, you used that word a couple times. What do you mean by that? I'm like, do you want me to cry more? Right? So, but I get done. I'm standing in the hallway, and it is not a nice hallway. It's a very sus-sus hallway, right? And it's not the best office building. Um, but I step out, and my eyes are puffy from crying, but I feel joy because something inside me says, everything is going to be okay. Actually, it's not just everything's okay. I'm okay. In the midst of my the words that have said, been said to me, the words I've said to other people, and the things that I've done, the things that have been done to me, even in the midst of all that, I'm okay. And in that space, I feel that joy, right? Uh, I go on wing night with my 14-year-old. He asks me, he goes, Dad, can we essentially do something on the, every other week that's just him and I? And our goal is to, to find the best wings at the most unlikely places. So we go to really, really, um, I shouldn't use that word. We go to places that don't look like maybe their food is safe to eat all the time, right? We'll go say that. And it's kind of like our adventure, and we're going to everywhere in the Twin Ports and around here to find it. And I experience joy not just because we laugh and giggle. We argue about um, uh, cribbage because we both believe we know all the rules, but we don't know all the rules. Um, I get frustrated because he drinks way too much soda and then doesn't eat his wings. That's the whole point is to go to eat wings, right? I experience joy by looking at my 4-year-old son and I get a front row seat to watch this young kid like evolve and grow into be this person and I look at him I'm like man this kid is me he is he is me he's my dad right he's he's, he's grandpa denny and he's got quirks and he's got beauty and he's got a wonder and I love the kid and when I look at him and he says like dad that's not really a point I feel this joy because that's the same stuff I would have said to my old man, right? And it's not just out of happiness. It's out of this deep mystic love that I have that joy will come. But, but joy doesn't happen by accident. You don't just like biking through the woods and all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, there's, there's joy, right? Joy takes work. How then do we access this joy, right? If it's not just this mystic thing that floats in the universe but something within, how do you get it? And I'm going to use a a very odd uh, passage about this. Jesus says in John 14, um, I, Jesus says, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want access to this Father, right, that's what he calls it, to this God, you got to go through me. 
And Jesus could have said, like, you got to go through this guy, tough guy, right? He, but he says, he says, you have, if you want truth, you want life, it's me, and you have to go through me to get it. And one way of thinking about this um, is, um, this is what handed down to me, is saying, all right, if you want to have a relationship with God, um, you have to surrender your life to Jesus, because Jesus says you have to go through me. And the way you surrender your life to Jesus is you have to say um, the salvation prayer, the sinner's prayer, that's everyone's favorite word to use, right? You want to say the sinner's prayers? No, never, <laughs> thank you, right? Whatever it is, they have this idea of you say these certain things, and you do say those, and you really believe those things. Well, now you went through Jesus, and now you get to go to be with God. And that has helped a lot of people. I won't lie. It has found meaning in life to a lot of people. I have this crazy notion that maybe Jesus meant something like more than just that, Right? Like, people say, well, Chris, the access that divine love, the access that joy, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And I am pro-friend of Jesus, right? I am for friends with Jesus. But if the friends with Jesus just means I talk to Jesus, some people believe that Jesus talks back to them, right? And I think about Jesus, and when I hear songs that have the word Jesus in it, it makes me feel good, right? Those are, those are wonderful things. Right? I am also pro all those things. But if it never leads to us actually, like, doing the stuff of Jesus, then we miss the plot. Because when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the way that I read that is Jesus saying, I'm literally showing you what life looks like. I'm showing you this is truth, what we are doing. And what does Jesus do? Jesus shows up. If you want to do the ministry of Jesus... It's not like cast, well, yeah, you can cast out demons. If you want to run around, Mike, at work and say, cast out these demons, right? Sure, go for it. But Jesus shows up. The ministry of Christ is a body that shows up. And it listens and it includes. It affirms, it blesses, it challenges, but it shows up. And it listens and includes. And when we do that, right, when Jesus says, I am the way, I believe it, I actually go and do it, that is where Personally, I experience joy because you have to do it on purpose. Here's the problem. A lot of people love the words of Jesus. They love the songs and the radio of Jesus. And when it comes to the works of Jesus, we're like, let's go back to the songs. Why? Because this is hard. It's actually, it's offensively easy and simple, but we balk at it because it costs us something, Right? But if this is where we're going to find that divine love, it's in this where we're going to find this joy that is our strength that grounds us, we have to do it on purpose, right? Me going to therapy, if I experience joy, I don't want to go there, but I think one of the most Christ-like things I can do is to do everything I can to be the the healthiest me because hurt people hurt people, right? Hurt people hurt people. I am in the business of not hurting people, right? And I realize that some of the stuff that I've carried with me for a long time can be toxic. It can be toxic to my family, to my kids, my marriage, to me, to the church that I lead, and I'm doing everything I can. But that's a muscle I have to flex. Me showing up at wing night, do I always want to? After a full day's work and I forgot that it's wing night and my son goes, hey, Dad, it's wing night. I don't always say, like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? There's times where I'm like, oh, yeah, wing night. You, know, you fake it till you make it, Right? And because I'm tired, or I want to do something else, or I want to do nothing. I just literally just want to sit on the couch, right? 
But why do I do that? Because I think one of the holiest things I can do with my son is just be with him. I can show up and be at a table and listen to him talk about things I have no idea. I just use the word sus-sus, right? That's what Max goes, Dad's a little sus-sus. I'm like, oh, I'm going to use that word. I hope it's appropriate. <laughs> so um, I think the, a Christ-like thing is when I can show up for my kids. So if we can move into the, the music, the songs, the reading, the praying, this all positive, but it should lead us and prompt us to do the actual work, to be, to be Christ-like. But there's um, two big obstacles. Uh, not too big. There's two obstacles I'm going to highlight before we wrap up. First is this. Maybe you need to reimagine Jesus. And when I say reimagine Jesus, I'm not saying, hey, let's just make it up. Right? I, I use this word a lot. You can change the word from imagine to think. You might need to rethink Jesus. You might need to reengage with Jesus. I love the, the idea of reimagining. It, it stimulates curiosity and wonder in me. And so in the same way that the Hebrew people needed to um, reimagine who God was by Ezra getting up and reading from the scrolls of Law of Moses, maybe it's been a hot minute since you've read Sermon on the Mount. I, I know a lot of people um, who are like pro-Bible and through a series of events were like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to put that Bible down for uh, just a little bit, right? And I believe that could be healthy. That if that helps you, um, then it helps you. But maybe there's a time of where you're going to re-engage. Like, when's the last time that you read the Sermon on the Mount, right? When's the last time that maybe, like, I read, um, I call it my not-so-silent retreat, and uh, I read the book of John in one sitting. And it was interesting because when I read, like, a chapter two and I go and do my life, right, and, like, a couple days later, <laughs> a couple weeks later, I come back and pick up, like, a chapter four, right? It's funny that the context of what I was reading in and then the context of Chris and re-engaging with it, there's a lot that's happened. When I read it in one sitting, the book of John, I, I was, um, what's the word, impressed. I, I was reminded of the idea of how Jesus just showed up. And I never caught it. When I read it in one sitting, I'm like, oh, Jesus did this again and again and again and again. And it helped me have a new appreciation. It was I got to reimagine who Jesus was. Because I had an idea of what Christ was, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, it's going to pivot me back to who I want to be. So maybe for you, my encouragement, like I am a pastor, right? This is what we do. It's like hopefully there's a time where you can re-engage with the Bible and re-engage with the person of Jesus. And the more and more that we can continually evolve and learn and think and process about how we can be Christ-like, I think there's no downside. And lastly, and this is the one I love, um, things that, like, as an obstacle to joy is that maybe we are dying by a thousand paper cuts. You ever heard that statement before? It's like, you don't just get cut, you don't just bleed out because, like, someone, like, cut your arm off, right? It can be, like, a thousand small little cuts that maybe is bleeding you out, right? And what that is, is tolerations. Things that we tolerate rob us of joy, rob us of love. I have a friend named Jenny Birch. Uh, she watches every week, I know, right, Jenny? Um, and her and her partner would, every couple of years, would walk around from room to room in their house, and they would call it their toleration day. And they have a paper and pen, and they walk into their kitchen, and they would um, write down all the things in that room that they tolerate, which is a great, great exercise. And the reason they did that, yeah, Dietrich's laughing. Sarah, that would be like Sarah's living hell. That's what it would be like. I tolerate everything in this house. <laughs> Can you just write down house? 
house. That's what I tolerated. Um, uh, so, uh, like for me, I, in our house, we used to have a junk drawer. Who, who has junk drawers in their house? All right? Yeah, yeah, everyone does. Has anyone opened that drawer and feel peace and joy and calmness? Has it ever brought life to you? The only time it brings life to you is like, hey, what do I do with this crowbar? Throw it in the junk drawer, right? <laughs> it's, it's true, right? Uh, and I'd be like, hey, do you know where blah, blah, blah is? And Nikki would say, well, we'll just check the junk drawer. And even just the name, junk drawer, I'd be, I'd, oh, roll my eyes, right? And I'd walk by and I'd look at it. And I'm like, I'm not going in there because it already stressed me out. So when I actually open it up and I see we don't need any of this. It's in this drawer because we feel guilty about throwing it away or recycling it, right? Or we are holding on to that one weird pen you got like in freshman year of college. Like, oh, I'm going to need this. If I run into Sarah, she's going to see it, right? So tolerate it might be let's get rid of the junk drawer which we did and we have a new drawer that's slowly turning back into the junk drawer right but i don't have that but every time i open that drawer I, it robbed me of something so in my house uh, on the ceiling uh we have popcorn ceiling and um one of my son's friends decided to throw a waffle up at, at it it's a famous tiktok video if you want to go find it right and famous i don't know how famous i like saying it's famous makes me feel better and, uh, of course, we weren't home, and we saw the TikTok video because someone texted it to us. Um, and if you look up, uh, you can see that they tried cleaning it, and what that did was just take the popcorn ceiling off and just, it's gone. It's like, it's like popcorn, nothing popcorn, and it's slightly brown. So um, I look at that, and I'm like, oh, I have to fix it. I don't know how to fix popcorn ceiling. I should YouTube it. I don't like watching YouTube. I go through all these things. And then I, I robs me of joy. In the corner of my house, it's chi- the paint is chipping. And I, last night, I was watching TV, looked at it. I'm like, I'm going to pretend it's not there. <laughs> right? We have these things in our homes that we tolerate. And all it would take is to put on a list and do a 10-minute tidy and say, for 10 minutes, we're going to tackle the junk drawer. We're going to actually strip that paint. Same thing is in our lives. What are the things in your life that you tolerate? What are the things that rob you of joy, that stress you out, that bring you anxiety, and you think about, like, i got to pay that bill, and you're like, oh, push it down, right? You see that person at the grocery store, and, like, don't make eye contact with them. Turn around leave, right? Right? What neighbor do you see that you pretend not to see? <laughs> I just had this conversation with my buddy. He's like, I feel kind of bad. I just don't want to talk to them, so I pretend they're not there. I'm like, well, that means you're human, <laughs> right? So maybe it's time to, like, block that person's phone number. Maybe it's time to get rid of all your social media for a season or forever. Maybe it's time to, like, reach out to the old family member that you've been thinking about. Maybe it's time to go to therapy so you can cry. You can pay someone to watch you cry for 20 minutes, right? Maybe it's time to pick up the Bible. Maybe it's time to start meditating. Maybe it's time to get out on your bike once a week. What are the things that you tolerate, and what are you willing to try? What are you willing to activate? Because experience a life of joy, if, the, if this whole joy, Lord, is supposed to be our strength, there's times where I feel like <laughs> the lack of joy is my norm. And I don't want to just tolerate life anymore. I don't want to just float through life. I don't want to just survive. I, I want to live a good and beautiful life. And the way that I, I choose to do that is taking the words of Jesus seriously and doing everything I can to be Christ everywhere I go. So, I'm going to pray. I'd love to have you join me in prayer.
So God, we, God, we love you. And I ask that in your wisdom and your divine love that we can highlight the things that we tolerate in this life. Because I, I imagine most of us here would sign up for the joy part, like a big fan of the joy. We want the joy. But it's so easy to miss it. It's so easy to compromise. It's so easy to not do the show up, to not do the hard work. And I ask God that you would give us the moxie and the wisdom and the strength to move in the way of Christ. And I ask God that we can really, that, that not just the joy for us, but that we can be a people of joy that let it spill out everywhere we go. And that joy is not threatened by our questions. That joy is not robbed by our grief. It's not robbed by our unknowing. It's not robbed in our sadness. It's present and is comfortable with all of it. So God, I pray you'd help us continue to be those people and we continue to reimagine what it is and who you are. And we love you. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for coming to Neighborhood Church. I'm going to put some music on in a little bit. If you want to talk or you want to pray or you want to process um, and you're here, you can catch me anytime. And have a great rest of your weekend.